Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Well, hey Jonathan, how's it going this week? It was a pretty good week, and uh, I had a kind of a normal week. I know you, however, did not. Ooh, I tell you, these uh, these weeks can be crazy just as they are for everyone. When you have your trustee week, it's kind of wild. Um, uh, we had our our trustees in and uh, Southeastern Society members. We had a conference that followed that up on Tuesday, and then we had a preview day today. And uh, so it was just uh, j- just very busy, lots of great guests on campus, and then a few sick kids thrown in the mix, uh, which makes for uh, never a dull moment. Yep, and uh, I know we had some good news coming out of that trustee meeting, as you mentioned, and we'll just jump right into the news this week. Southeastern announced this week their sixth year in a row of record enrollment. Yes, uh, very very exciting. That's a great uh, a great thing to be able to tell our visitors on on campus, and uh, really really just a, a great spirit in the air. Very positive time and. Um, Normal business kind of happening where you're just approving budgets and things like that. But uh, as as with many of the trustee meetings, we talk about faculty elections and yep. promotions Run happening. very, very close to the podcast. Yes, yes. Keith Whitfield was elected officially uh, as assistant professor of theology. So that was exciting. What was he before? Um, assistant professor of theology. <laughs> okay. It's, it's a difference in status. So when you come on... Um, New and and you see this in a lot of the schools. You come on new, and there are certain uh, contract basis for faculty, and then after a certain amount of time, then uh, you're elected to the faculty. So it's sort of a just a, a process, okay. elections and promotions, things like that. So it's a good thing; it's a natural progression. Um, but he so he was elected as well as uh, Matt Mullins, English professor at the college, Joshua Wagner, uh, who's uh, music. Uh, and Christian worship, and Benjamin Quinn, um, assistant professor of theology and history of ideas, and yes, then and also a co-author of a book that just came out with uh, that's Walter right. Strickland. That's right. Every waking hour, uh, and then uh, had some promotions. Uh, Keith Harper, Ken Keithley, and Alvin Reed uh, were promoted to senior professor in their respective areas, and then uh, Larry Purcell. Uh, was promoted to full professor as well. So just a great, uh, great time, great meeting, and then got to wrap it up, wrap the week up with a great preview day uh, today. So, All right. Well, I mean, the the numbers, you know, you talk about the preview, you got all these students on campus and Southeastern continues to grow, just like uh, several of our Southern Baptist seminaries uh, continues to set record enrollment. Speaking of record enrollment, uh, also moving on to another seminary trustee news item this week, Southern announced their new record enrollment, over 5,000 students at Southern Seminary crazy? Up in Louisville, and a yeah. $48 million budget. I, the 5,000 students, I, I knew they had a lot of students. The $48 million right. budget is what really got me, because for a seminary, that is a absolutely massive budget. Yeah, really, really is. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, a lot of numbers in this story. Forty-eight million, um, which is an increase of nine point nine percent over the past That's year. That's a big jump. Right, very, very big jump. And then um, twelve hundred students at Boyce College Another, and over just right, a crazy number. Yep, and over five thousand uh, students enrolled. So uh, lots, of, lots of big stuff. I also saw um, a major renovation of um, Fuller Hall, which I'm trying to remember. 
I think that was one of the places. I think Keith lived in that uh, that building before we got married. So uh, it's it. it I, I'm excited to see what uh, what that will look like. That'll be fantastic. Yep. And one little note in here, personal note. Elected for the as the chairman of the trustees, John Tweet, pastor of First Baptist Church, Pell City, Alabama. Yes. A good friend of mine. So Very nice. One, like one of the few uh, trustees that I know at another institution. He was a, yeah. a pastor about 15 minutes from my house in Alabama okay. where we lived and, and was best friends with my pastor, Ryan Whitley. Well, so, I, um, my, I caught uh, the, the outgoing trustees, which Brian Autry was on, on that, but also Perrin Powell from Spartanburg, South Carolina. Uh, we were uh, students with them. They were some of our closest friends there. So saw lots of names. Yep, Clint talking. Presley, another name on there. Too. Yes. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to John Tweet and to all the new officers at Southern Seminary. They elected some faculty as well. Yep. Barry Driver, who uh, uh, was already there, had come as librarian, uh, elected professor of church history, and Michael Wilder um, in leadership and discipleship. Yep. Also put two in endowed chairs. Randy Stinson uh, mm-hmm. is in the Basil Manley Jr., which I cannot see without thinking of basilmarceau.com. Uh, that <laughs> professor of leadership and family ministry chair. See, that's great because for me it was always backwards because I had learned Basil Manley Jr., especially because you've written the seminary hymn, so I knew that name so well. So whenever I would hear basilmarceau.com, I would think of Basil Manley Jr., and you're oh, okay. the reverse. Yep, yeah, yeah, because I, I heard basilmarceau.com. So if, you should if, put a link to that. Yes, I was going to say, if, if you haven't of, seen the basilmarceau.com yeah. thing and know yeah. what we're talking about, you've got to check right. that out. All, all, all listeners who are, are not Tennesseans and don't weren't present during this election, or if you are a Tennessean but you weren't there during this, this uh, local election, you need to go to the show notes and just check this campaign video yes, out. It's, it's a piece of gold. And it's um, real. Yes, it's very, it's very absolutely real. real yes, and it really happened. It is a, a, a quite the legendary video here in Nashville. Yes. So, yes. All right. Also, Greg Wills has been, he's the dean of uh, the School of Theology and been named as the David T. Porter Professor of Church History, effective immediately. So uh, congratulations to everyone at Southern, uh, Dr. Moeller and the entire crew there. Just a phenomenal job they're doing up there. All right. Moving on over to what is our final report for Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary trustee meetings. That's right. Because we, uh, in theory, it won't be Golden Gate much longer. That's assuming that it passes. But it passed I last year, and I, I don't see a big uh, uprising against I'm the assuming that it will pass, yes. They approved five new faculty members, and obviously, as you would expect, they heard about you know the, the new campuses, and they talked a lot about... Uh, the transition. Uh, new faculty members were uh, Carl Mosser, professor of Christian theology, Dwayne Almer in educational leadership, Alicia Wong, associate professor of women's ministry, who used to be here at Southeastern Seminary years ago when we uh, we didn't live here, but I came down and took a class that she co-taught, and uh, she was great. Eddie Pate, uh, professor of evangelism, and John Taylor, uh, professor of New Testament. And then they also announced uh, their new director of online education, Kristen Ferguson. We mentioned the uh, the new campus and the new name and everything in this. Uh, he said that uh, in his report, Dr. Orge mentioned that more than $2 million has already been redirected internally from maintenance that they were having to put into buildings into ministry. So the the payoff is already starting to happen 
as they transition here, $2 million that they would have had to spend on buildings and facilities, they are being able to spend on actual ministry and, and the seminary side of things. So a huge, huge bump there. Uh, and this is the uh, the kind of the recap of everything financial for them. Uh, they will own two anchor campuses in prime locations in California worth about $52.5 million. Own a development lot in Ontario worth $4 million. Own a building in Brea, which is uh, the Northern California campus, about $4 million. Own two apartment complexes valued at $8 million and have an added $40 million to the endowment. So they've also been able to increase faculty and staff compensation, add staff positions. You mentioned they elected five new people and have completely rebranded the seminary. This is just an absolutely amazing time for uh, Golden Gate, soon to be Gateway Baptist Theological Seminary. One interesting thing in this story that I uh, that just caught my eyes, not in with all the specifics, but was kind of halfway through where uh, Dr. Orge was talking about how students and alumni have processed the name change um, and uh, saying, first of all, that they've had graduates that want their diplomas to say gateway. And so they're making um, making a process for that. But then also said that there were some students who have slowed down because they want to be in the first graduating class of Gateway. Others have kind of rushed to be in the last class of Golden Gate. Um, and so it's just interesting because I guess everybody, they, they want to be a part of something new or they want to be a part of something historic. Um, everybody's processing it in a different way. But uh, I don't know, that just jumped out at me. I, I kind of I, I kind of liked how they're seems like they're working with everybody. They're letting people be a part of this in their own way. Yep, and uh, that'll do it for our trustee meeting recaps this week. I think there's still one outstanding. We're still waiting on a f- official release from New Orleans. I know they hosted one uh, a week or two ago, but I haven't seen anything come out about that. So hopefully that'll come out this week, and we'll bring it to you on next week's show. Uh, all right, so moving on over to NAM. They've got two mobile clinics, uh, medical clinics, that they're going to be bringing to the America Center in St. Louis to kind of show everybody what will be going on with the Send Relief Ministries. Uh, these two units will be on display, and uh, there's a couple of pictures at Baptist Press that these things are big. This is going to yeah. be kind of cool. Yeah, I'm I, I'm actually hoping I'll get a few minutes to, to go and check that out. That's great. Yeah, so they have uh, dental stations, uh, includes an x-ray machine, two dental operatory rooms, and the medical clinic will have two exam rooms, a bathroom, and a waiting room, and, a, and an intake area. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what an intake area is. Um, maybe a triage area. I'm not sure. But um, anyway, so there are uh, some cool pictures at Baptist Press. You can check that out. And uh, come join us in St. Louis and check it out in person. Yes, come and see. Finally, in the news this week from Texas in the SBTC, Convention President Nathan Leno has announced a research committee that he has created to engage a new generation of SBTC pastors. So basically, Nathan Leno, the uh, pastor in, uh, he's a pastor down in the Houston area, and he has announced uh, this committee to go out and study how they can connect with church plants, new churches, young pastors in the state of Texas. Um, That's great. This is something definitely uh, as we move into wanting to identify younger leaders and uh, connect, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see things like this happen in other conventions as well. Yep, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised either. So uh, congratulations to them, and uh, hats off to Nathan Leno for recognizing the need and and setting up a committee to study that, and and for the SBTC taking the initiative on that. So uh, some other notes from their meeting this week as well, and the link provided at 
sbcthisweek.com. And a reminder, as always, this week's podcast is sponsored by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary's new 81-hour MDiv program. It prepares students to take the gospel to their neighbors and the nations. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there. For more information, visit sebts.edu slash mdiv. Amy, uh, how much longer would we be able to call that the new 81-hour MDiv program? <laughs> I don't know. At least a few more weeks. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Maybe to the end of the semester. Yes. And then it'll be the instead of the, the new. Yes, the so. MDiv. All right. Well, we have brought to you the last two weeks presidential candidate interviews. Uh, first week from J.D. Greer, last week from Steve Gaines. This week we conclude our presidential candidate interviews for now, unless there is a, another announcement this coming week or in the future. This week it is with David Crosby, the pastor of First Baptist Church, New Orleans, Louisiana. Joining us today on SBC This Week is Dr. David Crosby. He is the pastor of First Baptist New Orleans down in Louisiana and has been there for 20 years. And he is joining us because he will be nominated by Fred Luter at the SBC annual meeting this summer in St. Louis for the presidency of the Southern Baptist Convention. David, thanks for joining us today. Oh, happy to. Thank you, Jonathan. Well, we've had the other two candidates on and talked to them, and uh, now we are talking with you and glad to have you here. So as we head into this election, what do you see as the biggest challenge facing the SBC at this time? Well, I think uh, it's the cooperative program, our cooperative work together. I think that's why the convention exists. The convention doesn't really exist to tell churches what to do or what they're not doing. The convention exists for us to do our work together, and that means international missions, uh, domestic missions, and theological education, and to some degree benevolence work. Uh, But mostly it is those first three, international, national, and our seminaries. That's 95% of the international uh, budget of the the national budget and 95% of the work we do together. And so I see that as the reason for which the convention exists. And I think that's in trouble. I think it's been in trouble for a while, but bringing home a thousand missionaries has been a wake up call to me and many other Southern Baptists that the work we're doing together is in decline for lack of funds. And uh, to me, that's the the biggest issue we have before us. Well, we we've seen great commission giving rise in recent years with the uh, the Lottie Moon. We're expecting a, the largest Lottie Moon Christmas offering ever this this coming year. Um, and but it seems like while churches are giving and and some of the giving has dropped, like you mentioned, engagement on the national level for or to national and international causes seems to us also have dropped. How do we raise church engagement on a national level? Well, I think that what we can do together as a convention is uh, pool our resources and deploy our missionaries um, to the ends of the earth and communicate back to the churches what we are doing on the field, introduce them uh, to our missionaries, and make sure that our work around the world stays high profile in our communication with our churches. Uh, I think our churches need to meet the missionaries, know who they are, understand their work, Uh, And I think it's inspiring. I think it's why we have the passion for the cooperative program that remains. It's because uh, of the connection we have with missionaries. You know, we we have a very uh, tight connection with several families around the field, like many churches do. We pray for them. We have them on display, their pictures. We have a world wall where we feature our 
missionaries and uh, ask people to go by, make sure they understand, you know, who these people are, get their prayer cards and participate in missions through prayer as well as giving. Yeah, and you mentioned the bringing home of a thousand missionary uh, personnel, and in the past six months, it's been a, a great concern for many Southern Baptists and how things are going at the IMB with the financial reset. How can pastors lead their churches well in light of this missionary force reduction? I think it's uh, it's time to look at our whole work, the fabric of our work, spread it out before us, and say, okay, we have limited do- dollars. We already always have. Uh, we do significant things together at all levels, at the local church, associational, state, and at the national level. Uh, if we are choosing, and we are, and for some, we are inadvertently choosing here. If, if you had given Southern Baptists the opportunity to say, would you like to bring a thousand foreign missions home from the field? Or... Would you rather look at the other layers of Southern Baptist life and other places where we might have duplication or where we can be leaner in our work? I think we would have kept many, if not most, of those missionaries on the field and done reductions in other areas, starting at the local church level and, and on up. I mean, I, I feel like Southern Baptists continue to have a passion for the world and the gospel going to those who've never heard. Uh, and I think we express that by giving our money to the to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which is the largest special offering that we do together. And so, you know, to me, uh, we need to look at everything as pastors, starting with a local church and say, OK, are we doing what we ought to be doing for the world mission of the church? And and then looking at all the layers of Baptist life and. And I think we've got to have the conversation or we're going to be laying off another thousand missionaries yeah. in five years. Well, well, that brings it to a follow-up question. What are some of those layers that we might need to examine going forward? I think all of them, Jonathan. I think we look at everything. We just reduced our international mission force by 20%. That is a crisis to me. I hope when I'm 80 that I'm not looking back and thinking, you know, one day we had 5,000 missionaries. That was the height of our work around the world. Um, And as much as I love the idea of deploying military personnel and exchange students and retirees and business people and training them and doing a better job of making them uh, effective witnesses for Christ in the cross-cultural context of their travels around the world, I don't see how that can replace having the missionary on the field who understands the culture, the language, uh, and that scene is able to do both preparation and follow-up for the missionaries who come and go in other uh, either shorter or longer-term uh, programs and, and, and with businesses and things. I think we've got to have our missionaries stationed around the world if we're really serious about taking the gospel to the nations. So uh, that, to me, is where the rubber meets the road for our convention. All right. So if, if you were elected president of Southern Baptist Convention, how would you enact the evaluation of these? You know, you said look at everything. What, what is the role of the president of the Southern Baptist Convention in that? Well, the president doesn't have any formal authority to change anything much, you know. So he's, he's going to preside over the business meeting next year. But he does have the opportunity to start discussions. So we get everybody at the table that needs to be there. Uh, 
you know, in the different levels and begin to say to our state execs, to other Southern Baptist entities, to our uh, associational representatives, and, and put it before all Southern Baptists, is this how we want our work together to go? Or do we want to make some fundamental changes that um, get more money to the field where the gospel is uh, unknown? And, and so, I, you know, I, I think it's calling together uh, Southern Baptists and having a serious discussion about the crisis we're in. That's, that's what I think. And I'm with David Platt on unlimited numbers of volunteers going. Um, I, I'm ready to do my part on that. We are connected to an unreached people group in uh, West Africa. We've been 14 times. They're universally Muslim. And we have seen eight or ten of those trust Christ, been baptized. Uh, you know, it's hard work. It's long work. And, and so we've done that at the urging of the International Mission Board, and we're going to continue to do it. It's good work, and, and we're going to seek to be faithful to it. But ultimately, that uh, strategy that looks at the world and says, this is how the resources of the churches may be most effectively deployed to take the gospel to the nations, that strategy comes from someone who's looking at the world and it's not just a local church that does that i think if we put our forces together that's how we develop the most effective strategy for for taking the gospel to the nations well the one of the biggest assignments the president of the spc has is committee appointments what would be your right. strategy regarding these appointments you know committee on committees committee on resolutions and so forth well Number one, I'm going to work within the parameters of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. I think that is a document that expresses our uh, doctrinal consensus, and it is sufficient uh, to give us the, the theological parameters we need. Do you see any changes that need to be made to the Baptist Faith and Message 2000? I'm not ready to propose any changes to the to the Baptist Faith and Message. If we had a committee convened because we thought it needed to be updated, there are some things that I might uh, give as input, but uh, that's not an initiative I'm ready to launch. I think we need diversity on our committees at all levels. The world is uh, a very diverse place. Our country has great diversity. The white uh, population is about to be a minority population itself in the next, I think, 10 years. Our churches are diverse in their membership. And uh, we have all the different groups represented. We need them at the table. Uh, if we're going to be effective in reaching uh, the United States with the gospel, we need these folks at the table. And we have meetings. They've got to be on our boards, on our committees. We need to hear the expression of their faith, their concerns, and they need to be integrated into the planning and strategies of our work. So... That's how I feel about the appointments. You know, I, I want to, to see the diversity of Southern Baptists around the table when we gather. Well, speaking about when we gather, Dr. Floyd has stressed the need for unity evangelism and prayer over the past couple of years as he has been the SBC president, especially at the annual meetings. Uh, how do you plan to maybe build off of what he has kind of laid down the last couple of years? 
Oh, we can't do without those three, can we? No, those, I mean, those are three pretty those good are ones right bedrock. Yeah. Unity, evangelism, and prayer. Uh, you just can't improve on that emphasis. Um, I do think that the convention itself exists for the purpose of doing missions and theological education together. That's why it exists. And so promoting uh, spiritual uh, health and well-being is important. I want to be a cheerleader for that. I want to put that out there uh, and uh, not draw back from that. But the reason we have this convention is so that we can do our work together. And so my focus is going to be on what we're doing together, our work together, how we fund it, how it's configured, and the priorities we have in our cooperation. Can you give us some examples of maybe how First Baptist New Orleans has cooperated in in ministry and things like that? Uh, I think we are, you know, a highly cooperative and collaborative body of believers. Um, I led the Billy Graham crusade here where we had over 200 churches that worked together to bring Billy and Franklin Graham to our city. Um, that was a wonderful experience for me. And I think for, uh, the body of Christ here in our community, uh, we have worked with all kinds of agencies and, um, organizations in the rebuilding of new Orleans, the cleanup. I mean, we, we collaborate every week with schools, with institutions here. Um, we have a, a local ministry called Care Effect, where we deploy about 100 adults every week to the, to the prisons, the nursing homes, to Bourbon Street, to uh, the feeding stations, to public schools with, with bags of food for kids that are at risk of hunger over the weekend. Um, And it's glorious work. So we have a reputation in our community as being involved, engaged, and caring for uh, the city where we are planted. And and I love collaboration. I think it's the future. So I want us to collaborate and work together, and not only here, but on the international mission field and uh, in all aspects, aspects of our work. And that kind of goes to one of the books that you wrote recently, The Care Effect. Tell us a little bit about that book and and just how that shows how you can unleash the power of compassion. Well, I think the gospel must be proclaimed and incarnated. We've got proclamation and incarnation to do in the gospel. Jesus went about preaching. He also went about healing sick and doing good, the scripture says. And I think that a full orb presentation of the gospel requires words, and it also requires deeds. There's the good word, the good news we give, and there are the good deeds that we do that demonstrate the gospel. And the scripture says, if I don't have love, then my words are like a noisy gong. And I think unless we demonstrate the love of God in our communities by caring for people that are marginalized and in need, and it's evident that they are on our heart, the children who are vulnerable. If we're not caring for them, then the gospel's hollow sounding to the people that hear because it's not completed and filled out with the deeds of the gospel. So uh, we are making an effort through Care Effect to 
describe the effect of giving compassion to another person, of loving your neighbor as yourself. And there's an effect on you, there's an effect on them, there's an effect on the community. And I think even uh, the heart of God is uh, pleased when his children love their neighbors as they love themselves. So there's a great effect to unleashing the power of compassion in our communities. I think there's a great evangelistic opportunity with it. We always hardwire the words with the deeds. So if we're going to the prison, it's not just social work. It's sharing the words. Same with the nursing homes, same on Bourbon Street, the same in the feeding stations. We feed 300 hot meals a week to the homeless and to recent immigrants into our community. Uh, even with ESL, we combine the teaching of English with the words of the gospel. We do so with uh, foster care. Uh, we have a foster care ministry that is a blessing to our church. And so we're seeking to, to do both the word and the deed. We want, to be, we want our church to be mighty in word and in deed, and that's what the Care Effect is all about. All right, well, David, thank you so much for joining us this week on SBC This Week. We appreciate it, and we will see you in St. Louis. All right. Thank you, Jonathan. All right, Jonathan, thank you for that. Uh, Really appreciate uh, Pastor Crosby and uh, the other candidates as well, Steve Gaines and J.D. Greer, uh, just taking the time uh, to talk to us so that our listeners can hear uh, can hear directly from them. And uh, I'm still waiting. I'm ready to hear some some VP nominations. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're, you know, they're just kind of in a holding pattern. So yeah. you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I, I did get confirmation from Bart Barber about a uh, resolution that he is offering. I'm going to re- interview him in the next week or so. I'm going to also try to get Dwight McKissick. I know he's offering one as well. I've seen the text of both of those. Uh, Bart's is on uh, sexual predation in the Baptist church and uh, Dwight McKissick's is uh, about the Confederate flag and it's display in America. So uh, that was a hot issue following the Southern Baptist convention annual meeting last year. Um, so uh, try to get a, a quick interview with those guys, maybe not the extended 15 to 20 minutes that we had for the presidential candidates, but maybe just a, a quick five to 10 minute interview we can throw uh, in a couple of episodes uh, heading into the convention. Next week we will have an interview with Art Sneed, who uh, is the director of Ridgecrest Conference Center over in Black Mountain, North Carolina. I had a great chance to talk to him this week, and they have made some upgrades. Uh, Amy, you're not going to believe Ridgecrest the next time you go there. They have uh, completely redone their coffee shop as well. I know I know that that's oh. not hugely important to ministry, but it's, it's kind of nice to it, have. <laughs> yes, yes. I uh, can't wait to check that out. I love Ridgecrest, uh, so um, uh, I'll have to, we'll have to make plans to stop by there next time. We're going through. It's just phenomenal, the uh, the transformation that we've seen the last couple of years under Art's direction. So that's going to bring us on to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. You're going to like this one. You sure? Uh, yes. Let's go 60 years okay. back. Wow, that's way back. 1956, when it was announced that the Southern Baptist Sunday School Board had recently acquired four pieces of business property in downtown Nashville. Oh, wow. We bought so, land. We just sold a bunch of land. We just sold right. all that land. All that land that we ago. just bought, we just sold. That's right. So, What did we uh, buy it for? I bet we uh, made a pretty well, good profit on it. Yeah, you need to look at this story. I'm trying to, I've been trying to kind of get my head around. So it says um, four pieces of business property across the street from its main 12-story building in downtown Nashville. So this would have been in 1956. 
Um, and it says the cost of the property wasn't announced officially. It stretched an entire block. Uh, not all of it was immediately available because there were some existing leases. But as soon as uh, the term, the, as soon as those leases terminated, then they would be ready to expand operations. It says that the current that at the at the current time, the board already had a cluster of five office and warehouse buildings in the 100 blocks of North Eighth and Ninth Avenues. Yeah. Um, and then it said a corner lot would be converted into a into just parking area. So I'm thinking that this is um, Sullivan Tower, maybe? No, the, Sullivan Tower would be the 12-story building that they have. Right, the 12-story building. So then kind of behind it, what we now... Which would I guess basically the, be, I think, the footprint of DCT. Yes. And uh, the operations building and all that. Uh, that yes. seems... Cause, because the, the property that they had at that time would have been the North Frost. Wing, Frost, and the um, Sullivan so, Tower. So yes, uh, that's yes. the eighth and ninth blocks. And then what they're talking about here would likely be uh, the the corner lot may be uh, actually where the the parking garage, the old garage is over there where it's kind of, it's hard to explain if you don't know uh, Lifeway's footprint, but uh, I think that's over there right there by church and then probably all the DCT stuff. So Yeah, but when I was looking around and I saw this, I thought, well, I have to do this because I have to say, uh, and Lifeway has this this footprint and has done all of these things and it all started this week in SBC history and then it all <laughs> it all ended a couple it of all months ended ago a couple or of about a month ago yeah yes but new history is beginning so uh it just seemed like it fit uh, to to bring that one up i thought it was very interesting yeah and i it doesn't say what we bought the land uh the price for it though that's correct said it was not announced officially so I, and i didn't do a whole lot of digging to find yeah. Wait, you know, where? Because who knows? There's no telling. But I bet we made a pretty good penny on it. Because well, land probably values have gone up a little bit since then. They've, yes, they have definitely gone up since 1956. So, well, congratulations to Lifeway on their, their purchase of their own campus yes. uh, this yes. week in SBC history. That's right. All right, that's going to bring us to Resources of the Week. Amy, your Resource of the Week is... Mine is a brand new uh, website and blog, bruceashford.net. Yes, a fantastic website and blog. Yes, it is great. It looks wonderful. Great design. Uh, Bruce Ashford is the provost at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and uh, he is an author at B&H Publishing, uh, has recently uh, written One Nation Under God, and uh, also I uh, think some new stuff coming out down the road that uh, we're we're excited about um, and this is great he's been writing articles for some time in a lot of different places uh, Canon and Culture the, the ERLC blog uh, throwing out some op-ed pieces but this really gives him a place uh, to write a lot of the things that he's thinking on so his uh, his sort of niche uh, his tagline is Christianity for the common good and his niche is really how faith and culture sort of come together and uh, how we live out our faith in public life. So uh, Bruce Ashford is a, uh, a great, great thinker, wonderful leader, and has a great family and an amazing wife, Lauren, who's one of my great friends. So, All right. Well, Bruce, congrats on the launch of the new site. Uh, be one to add to your RSS reader or uh, your feed, Feedly, I guess, if you're using that. Yeah, and follow Bruce on Twitter at Bruce Ashford. All right, my resource of the week is a brand new podcast. 
uh, since we're, we're talking podcast, it seems every week now on this podcast, uh, but it's the Preaching and Preachers podcast from Jason Allen just launched this week. He had both uh, Timothy George and Christian George. I had both Doctors George on there this past week uh, in the the initial episode, a phenomenal discussion on uh, some you know top preachers in history, and uh, just talked about some different things there. So I learned a little bit in there. I, I don't have a lot of Baptist history and and just church history in my background, so I, I learned a pretty good bit in it, and uh, some different little tips on uh, preaching as well. Very cool. Very cool. Well, there uh, are some really great podcasts out there uh, developing all the time, so good to, to add this one. Yep. You're right, Amy. It seems like more podcasts coming all the time, so it's just a, it's a matter of deciding which ones to listen to when now. So uh, we appreciate everybody that listens to this podcast. We'd appreciate it also if you'd uh, go and subscribe at iTunes, give us a rating and review over there as well. Uh, got a, a busy May coming before a quite busy, I'm sure, June uh, that we'll have coming up. So the next uh, seven or eight weeks, counting down to the SBC annual meeting, uh, should be a fun time. And uh, we'll kind of keep you posted on everything that's going up leading up to our week in St. Louis. So uh, join us next week on SBC This Week. See you next week.